from Holy Trinity Church in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims. And today, we welcome Natalie Espino and Ryan Pinto from the Hispanic Society Museum and Library. Located on Audubon Terrace, Broadway, between 155th and 156th Streets, the Hispanic Society Museum and Library was founded by Archer Milton Huntington in 1904 as a free public museum and library for the study of the art and culture of Spain, Portugal, Latin America, and the Philippines. It houses a vast collection of paintings, watercolors, drawings, prints, and photographs, as well as sculpture and decorative objects dating from the first millennium BCE to the 20th century. The library offers an unparalleled collection of over 300,000 books and periodicals dating from the 11th century to the present. As the Hispanic Society Museum and Library continues comprehensive renovations of its building, it has maintained and expanded its public and education programs, both in virtual and in-person platforms, including its popular concert series, public lectures, and launching of a temporary exhibition space. They have reactivated the outdoor space with exhibitions of public programs on Avon Terrace in partnership with several local arts, artist community organizations. We are thrilled to have them both here today to talk about the work happening at the Hispanic Society and uh, and also going within the walls and outside of the walls. So welcome you both to Inwood Artworks on Air. Thank you, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Aaron. You betcha. So, um, can you introduce yourselves and uh, perhaps uh, what your roles are at the Hispanic Society? Uh, I'm Natalie Espino, and uh, I am head of education, public programs, and community partnerships at the Hispanic Society Museum and Library. Uh, I've been there for a little over a year and a half. And I'm Ryan Pinchot, and I also work in the uh, education department with Natalie, and that's education, community engagement, academic programs. Uh, I've been there for four years, and I'm also a PhD candidate at Rutgers. Wow. So you both wear a lot of hats um, at a very large institution. Uh, so people listening to this podcast are either thinking, everybody knows Hispanic Society Museum or Library, or they're saying, this is the Hispanic Society Museum and Library? Exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, let's just cut to the chase so we can serve both of these masters. And just uh, let's just talk about, uh, cut to the chase of why, the why, and bring that to everybody. So um, I said in the bio, like, why it was established. But, but, like, why is the Hispanic Society Museum Library vital to our community and deserves their uh, support and or engagement? Well, uh, it's, it's an extraordinary collection that, uh, you know, like, just like you say, there are people who are either uh, completely fanatics of the collection and the space, or there are people who just uh, assume it's closed down or it's not part of, you know, or it is, it's something totally different than what it is or that it's a closed uh, type of uh, academic club. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of that perception. But once you become part of that camp that actually sees the space, it really is one of those experiences that transports you, and you become completely floored that here in northern Manhattan, at that kind of notional space between Harlem and the Heights, is this just um, 
such an unusual uh, collection. It just happened to be that somebody who was enamored of this language and this culture uh, in the Hispanic sense of Hispanic studies uh, put this, uh, built this beautiful complex in this space not only for his own institution, but for several academic institutions at the time. Uh, the one that is left there is, of course, the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Uh, but uh, the idea was that Northern Manhattan was going to become this bit of a, of a destination for uh, maybe some of the, the, the appreciators of art and culture who lived in posh areas downtown. It didn't quite turn out that way, as we know. Historically, Washington Heights became the home of these uh, low-rises that welcomed immigrants from various parts of the planet at, during different parts of the 20th century. Uh, so there's a little bit of that, uh, that oddly placed surroundings, but I don't think it has to be because, you know, it's just, I think anybody who loves art anybody who loves history, anybody who loves literature would find programs and uh, works of art there that would speak to them. Uh, yeah, I think you were asking um, both, you know, why it's important and also why it's uh, lesser known in some circles. It's kind of cliche. Some people use the phrase hidden gem, right? So it's it's a gem if you are aware of it, if you are a scholar in Hispanic studies, if you are an art aficionado, a, 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 a Spanish, it's, we're very well known in Spain, right? The museum was founded as a kind of cultural embassy for Spanish and Latin American art in the United States. Um, and it's, um, it's important not only because of the, you know, amazing collection and as a resource to scholars, but because, as you know, Natalie was saying, on that kind of border between Washington Heights and Harlem and uh, in, you know, what, when the museum was founded, what was a 0% Hispanic community is now a, you know, one of the most prominent Hispanic Latino communities in the nation. So we really have this kind of... Um, there's this expectation and this uh, potential, right, of making this, you know, amazing collection and scholarly resource into, you know, a really kind of, uh, you know, full, uh, you know, resource uh, for for that uh, for that community, uptown yeah. and and in the region generally. Yeah, the, the the sort of accident of history that put the institution in what would become, that, you know, Hispanic diaspora. Uh, you know, just really invites us and gives us that opportunity to embrace Hispanic in all those definitions, embrace, question, problematize, engage people in that conversation. So it adds another layer to what, the, you know, the relevance and what could uh, be fruitful conversations beyond the just universal appreciation for these works of art. Which leads me to a question I want to pose to each of you as well, and I thank you for your wonderful answer of that, because if you guys listening didn't know about it that's a those are all great reasons to you know hit your google browser now and and go surfing uh or and also obviously show up and check out the campus itself because you mentioned it's a, it's a sprawling campus and uh to borrow the phrase from the field of dreams you know they if you build it they will come it's like well they built it and 
had no idea that you said, right, like it is most a full neighborhood of vitality of a great diaspora of Hispanic backgrounds, um, obviously in the five boroughs, but specifically within walking distance of the museum and library. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. So I wanted to ask you both, um, you know, other than the look of salaries you must be earning for the multiple hats you wear on a daily basis for your, uh, your, your roles there, you mind sharing personally, because I think you kind of, when you're working for a museum, a library, and I say this talking to you, of course, because about the look of salaries, of course, but, um, you know, you have to kind of be an apostle for the cause and you kind of have to believe in the serving that higher power of, uh, of the, of what it's all about, that mission, if you will, of the institution. So what is it that makes you want to serve and con- contribute to the mission of this cultural gem, as you said, Ryan? Uh, well, from my perspective, like I said, I'm a PhD candidate, so I've been in grad school for probably... Like, Since you were a child. Yes. Yeah, well, it's about <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. It's seven, seven years now. Wow, that's how long that you worked there, okay. It'll probably be a decade, you know, of grad school by the time I'm done. Gosh. So I'm a Latin Americanist. Um, I study uh, cinema, music, uh, I study media from Latin America, from Colombia, and we, you know, uh, in, you know, critical uh, studies, uh, literature studies, uh, you know, uh, theory, we tend to get uh, in the academy uh, wrapped up in theoretical abstract questions. So being able to also work at the Hispanic Society where you know some of those questions about you know it's always a buzzword you know decolonial theory right decentering the canon these are conversations that we have in the academy but being able to put that into practice in a tangible way where you can kind of see uh, that we are mobilizing these artworks uh, these works of literature um, toward an, an educational cause, a political cause, uh, from from a certain perspective, is uh, re- more rewarding than you know publishing in academic journals for me. Mm. Yes, for people in Spanish departments, I'm told it's a bit of the mothership. I would think you're quite a resource for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Uh, but uh, well, uh, I will say that in my case, uh, you know, my my. Childhood was split between uh, Washington Heights and Miami, with Inwood always being an important uh, part of our upbringing because our family was spread uh, around uptown. Uh, I definitely knew the space as the place where the statue of El Cid was. Uh, so, from, so when we'd be visiting folks in the Lower Heights, they were there. But curiously, I never knew there was a museum there. And it wasn't until I was an undergrad in 19 mm-hmm. um, that I was taking a, a, a seminar dedicated totally to the artist Diego Velasquez. And I'm flipping through things that you flip through to study. And, you know, oh, and this painting is at the Hispanic Society in Washington Heights. I'm like, oh, there's another place called Washington Heights. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't be talking about my neighborhood. I would have been aware of it. And so from that point on, I started kind of pulling at that a little bit, exploring it, became a member, became very much enamored of it. But it's certainly, you know, telling a little bit of that hidden experience, yeah. uh, with even being someone from, from uptown, uh, 
not being familiar with it your entire life. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely feel very motivated to share that. That's, it's, it's an answer that we hear a lot from folks like me who grew up here. Oh, I didn't know it was there. I, didn't, I never heard of this. And so I, you know, if there's anything that I can do to make sure that people discover this earlier, uh, I was also I'm a bit of a displaced academic, but I was also in uh, a, a Hispanist, so to speak, in the late antiquity, early Middle Ages part of the Iberian Peninsula. But at the same time, a lot of my academic work had to do with, you know, muse early forms of museums and collecting. So it's, the, it's a line of work that was always kind of calling to me and part of my uh, career early on and to be able to come back to it in my own neighborhood in a place where I think that I had, uh, I had you know, that, that very specific way of saying, I know the community, I can, uh, I know who a lot of the stakeholders are and we can maybe, you know, move some, uh, some really fascinating partnerships here so that we as an institution can learn about how to engage this public the way that the small arts organizations have here, as you know. Well, engagement is key. <clears throat> and if I may, just to, I mean, yeah. I think we've, had a, we've talked a lot about the museum as a resource, and I kind of have my little, I kind of have my stats here. I think it would be helpful. We love numbers. If you haven't been, to, if you haven't been to the Hispanic Society. Give, it, give us academics, give yeah, us numbers. Just for context. Yes, please. You know, uh, we were founded as a kind of representative, comprehensive uh, collection covering uh, the Hispanic, the Spanish-speaking world, right? Yeah. Uh, Spain, Latin America, but also Portugal, uh, Brazil, the Philippines, former colonial um, territories. We hold more than 30,000 museum objects, paintings, drawings, prints, sculptures, ceramics, ironworks, textiles, jewelry, 175,000 photographs of Spain and Latin America, and a rare books library, as well as a modern library, with more than 250,000 books and newspapers, including 15,000 volumes printed before 1701. We have uh, masterwork paintings, El Greco, Goya, Murillo, Velázquez, as well as uh, early copies of some of the greatest works of Spanish literature, El Quixote, La Celestina, etc. So I just, you know, I, I think that, I just want to, because we keep referring to it as this kind of, you know, treasure, right? And I think, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And every day we discover new things. And so, uh, you know, there's, there are other media like music collection. Yeah, that, right. You know, I just became aware of it. You know, there's this uh, very robust collection by the Cuban uh, mm -hmm. composer, Ernesto Leopona. So I'm, I'm just thinking, I, I didn't know we had this. And, and every day, you know, you find out something else is in this collection that needs a little bit more love, needs a little bit more visibility, and could really have, um, you know, be a great visitor learner experience. Well, I love to pick the librarian's brain and also get deep into the, in the nitty gritty of, so I come from a theater background and, uh, and obviously in what artworks caters to our whole community up here in Inwood, Washington Heights, which is partly Hispanic as well. And so I'm always looking for ideas uh, and programming to say, like, for instance, we've talked about doing a, a, a play or a musical, um, and, you know, there's only so many in the public diaspora. Like, you have your Man La Mancha of the world. that You have, like, it's not as so much in Spanish, but you have, you know, there's 
diaspora, you know, there's, of course you have um, Lope de Vega and you have your Maria Arjen Fornes plays and things like that. But there's, a, there's not um, uh, a working knowledge of the stuff that's been done in Latin America and Portugal and other places uh, that could possibly speak to the audiences today and what's going on. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, it'd be, be great. Uh, you know, Lorca is, you know, it's like the only playwright anybody knows from Spain, it seems. So it's like, there's so much more to d- you dive into, dive into. And so I'm using it as, as one of my personal, um, you know, interests to encourage others to challenge themselves and dive into, like I said, all those beautiful numbers you're talking about. And, and if we do, wouldn't mind, could you share, uh, pick one, you know, it has to be your favorite, but, uh, we could say a favorite um, of your collect of the collection of any of any whatever painting manuscript whatever is there anything uh, currently or or even or, or do you have an all time favorite of the collection you want to share with people? That's they, they, they say well, my point is like saying let me rephrase it you can't miss this if you come like what would you say? And I, I, no, it, it, we've we've asked this question internally. Uh, we had uh, a year ago. Your uh, marketing ex- department probably used uh, well, hits you we, with it. We had an exhibition called Nuestra Casa, and it was uh, for the first time a lot of kind of the highlights of the collection that had been during our renovations on this very successful, very well received uh, world tour of treasures of the Hispanic Society in different forms in different uh, museums, uh, who you know were borrowing and hosting this uh, these exhibitions. The guest curator who uh, Madeline Haddam, who was doing Nuestra Casa, asked everybody to think: if the building were on fire, what would you grab? And it gave me a panic attack. Just the hypothetical: how could you ask me that? Uh, but it's—I uh, I mean, it's—it's—it it, it is, it is a difficult one yeah. uh, because every you know works of art have different meanings. Um, for different people for different reasons and so that's part of the magic of going and experiencing this there could be a work of art that you know is just very emblematic of a particular time in your life or an experience you had um, I, I mean I, I, I think it would be something in my case from the the archaeological collection probably you know one of those great uh, you know those sets of uh, vessels or ivory combs that are coming from that pre-Roman period uh, and maybe if uh, some of the uh, late antique mosaics I could chisel out of the wall fast enough I, <laughs> I think I'd have to grab them. It depends how big your purse is the time apparently. Yeah, that's it. But, uh, but yeah, these are... Great answer. Yeah, yeah, this is it, just a, that, that was a good thought exercise but, but yes, I, I think that uh, when I think about going in, I, I think yeah, you know, I that that corner where we have those mosaics is a bit of a happy place for me. Gotcha. Uh, I enjoy our collection of maps quite a bit. It's something that we work with in the education department a good amount. And they're really fascinating for me as a Latin Americanist, but also as someone who studies cinema, that kind of visualization of space. And, uh, you know, our maps, we op- several of them, uh, Mesoamerican maps, Amazonian maps, these are from a very early period in the colonial uh, process, 1500s, right? So you have wow. knowledge systems between Europe and indigenous uh, societies 
kind of clashing in the same document where they all where the, each of the you know participant parties uh, ex uh, express uh, represent space in their own uh, ways corresponding to their own you know ways of knowing those those spaces uh, so there's just there's so many stories that come out of those uh, those maps and they are a uh, a lesser known aspect of the collection well I'm glad you can answer those questions without trying to set anything on fire and saving anything I appreciate that, <laughs> you guys just go to the museum don't ask what's on fire. Just say, where are the maps and where are the early Roman uh, artifacts so we can try to possibly, uh, or pre-Roman, I should say, if we can't even find them. The Mesopotamians, maybe, I don't know. Uh, or we can find uh, it, uh, the, the best favorites. Maybe like a bookshop, staff picks. You know what I mean? Kind of I, thing like that. That's, yeah. that, or, that's, or just on your Instagram feed for the society, maybe, uh, uh, the museum, uh, actually. All ideas, all ideas. Yeah, yeah. But, anyway, but my point is, like, thank you for sharing. I always feel like uh, personal touch is... Uh, endorsement for people checking things out um, and uh, let's let's zoom out a little bit uh, capture more common interests um, is there a, a certain region of the Hispanic diaspora currently currently being explored or concentrated on, on exhibition right now uh, so right now we are kind of in between exhibitions we launch uh, forthcoming. yeah they're they're upcoming uh, they are on September 15th we launch fall exhibitions that are uh, one of them, uh, a, a long-anticipated uh, exhibition uh, curated by uh, one of our uh, team, Orlando Hernandez-Ying and Dr. Nidia Leiva Gutierrez, uh, who many of our locals know as the executive director of the Northern Manhattan Arts Alliance. They are co-curators for uh, Anatomy of a Fresco, and these are preparatory drawings uh, by uh, Jose Comente Orozco and uh, the Mexican muralist. And so uh, we are, I think, going to be doing uh, a lot of programming that is heavily centered on uh, Mexico. Uh, this is a delayed date, but as it would happen, it makes the exhibition open on the weekend of uh, Mexican independence. So it's, uh, it's kind of fortuitous, and our programming will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be able to to really celebrate uh, that both the exhibition and uh, the celebrations of our of our you know Mexican friends and neighbors, and it's going right into Hispanic Heritage Month. Exactly that too, huh? That too. Our other exhibition would be uh, covering uh, again selections from the entire collection chronologically and geographically. So it would include uh, a lot of our famous paintings that haven't been on view for a while, uh, as well as uh, decorative objects from all over the Spanish and Portuguese-speaking world. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to checking it out myself, and uh, listeners, I hope you do too. Sign up for Ryan's tours. Well, I was going to say, that's my next question is saying, can you tell us a little about the public and educational programs you're putting into to motion? Uh, so, Ryan, uh, anything with the collection you're bringing out particularly excited about? Yeah, we're going into Hispanic Heritage Month, which is obviously always a, a big uh, That's moment. That's our big season. Yeah, for programming. At the same <laughs> time that when we're opening um, our main gallery, we're going to have a project room space, uh, which will be uh, having a, another exhibition in, in November, November called Picasso and the Spanish Classics. So it's going to be some examples of how Picasso uh, approaches material from 
classic works of literature. So he's working with El Quixote and working with Góngora, uh, the Golden Age uh, Spanish poet. And then, uh, and then further, in, in about six months from now, I think mm -hmm. we're also hoping to have an exhibition of uh, Dominican artists from, from the Uptown community. Yes. Awesome. Yes, that'll, that'll, that'll be our spring term. So the, the you know, part of the, the uh, vision reopening the museum and after the first phase of, of renovations, uh, it includes a commitment to uh, step-free accessibility for our visitors. So the entire collection, as people may remember it, uh, isn't on view at the same time, but instead the plan is to create rotating exhibitions uh, of a lot of the works in our collection, whether it's the highlights, whether it's organized around a particular theme, but at the same time creating these opportunities for uh, contemporary artists to also propose and exhibit. Uh, so we do have uh, a, a collective of, of you know, Dominican York artists uh, who, who will be exhibiting next uh, in, in our spring semester. Looking forward to that one because I'm sure I know a few of them. So I promise you do. So those are, you know, that's the exhibition kind of upcoming, mm -hmm. which is yeah. really going to be our most robust uh, collection, uh, the, the highest number of works that we've had on display in something close to a decade mm -hmm. at the Hispanic Society. So we're going into a really big moment. And I, and I think you were asking to go over some of the more specific things yeah, that are coming out of the program. Yeah, give people what their appetite. Yeah, as Natalie was saying, um, I organized the, uh, the tours at 2. So I think for now we're sticking to that 2 p.m. Friday and Saturday. You can definitely count on uh, being able to go on a docent-led tour of, of the uh, gallery spaces. So typically speaking, you would sign up. We have an Eventbrite that you can access through our website, uh, but you can also just show up candidly. You can <laughs> Friday and Saturday, 2 p.m. We don't turn anybody away. <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. And then also, I mean, Hispanic Heritage, and then for, uh, we, you know, so we really do uh, try to take advantage of the beautiful space of our historic district landmark terrace uh, for programs, uh, both our own and in collaboration with uh, other partner organizations. Uh, we have two outdoor installations right now, one based on uh, an open call that we did with the Northern Manhattan Arts Alliance featuring uh, the selection was, uh, the selected artist was Marta Chilindron, and she has her work out there, Orange uh, 48. Uh, so it's a, a very interesting, immersive type of, uh, uh, you know, outdoor sculpture. And she is an Inwood-based uh, artist, originally from uh, Argentinian-born Uruguayan-raised. Uh, and the partnership with NOMA is, again, it's a way to create this opportunity for uh, uh, an artist that, you know, who can be in conversation with our mission and collection. Uh, but some of the other outdoor programs that then people can uh, attend will be uh, our uh, first ever partnership with Inwood Artworks and Filmworks Al Fresco, showing outdoor films on the Audubon Terrace. You don't need to bring your own chair. We will provide them for you. Uh, and it's, you know, again, Spanish, films in Spanish with English subtitles, 
really sticking to that mission of celebrating the Spanish language and the culture. And uh, those, uh, those will be three Thursdays in September. Uh, we would be the first uh, Saturday of the new exhibition, so Saturday the 16th, having a uh, program's kickoff event with uh, one of our favorite partners, Mano a Mano, Mexican Culture Without Borders, and they would be doing a live music and art-making workshop. And, there's, and they're a great Mexican group, too. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> they so, are fantastic. With the theme of the... Uh, Incoming exhibition. They are fantastic. We yes. will also have, uh, Mano Mano will also be yeah. doing toward the, the end of uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, and we've kind of extended that a little bit. Yeah. It's, you know, one month. It's not quite enough. But uh, Mano Mano will be doing our uh, Dia de los Muertos, uh, Day of the Dead, programming, again, uh, an altar, art-making, music that is appropriate to the season, and having folks learn from... Uh, Mexican organization, what that tradition is about. That's on October 21st. Awesome. And then October 14th, 15th, and 22nd uh, is our community mural project. Again, in conjunction with uh, the Orozco exhibition uh, uh, celebrating Mexican muralists, uh, we are going to have uh, artist uh, Aurelio El Muro is going to be the teaching artist for that. Uh, so we would have those three uh, workshop afternoons that folks can show up and actually be part of the art-making process. No training or talent required. I promise you, art-making is an incredible, incredibly important part of appreciating art. And so we, we want to make sure that those always go hand in hand. And did you want to talk about the panels? Yeah, so we will have at least two panels uh of the one, a scholarly panel discussing Jose Clemente Orozco, and the other, a panel of uh, artists from the community who do, who create public art. They're going to be talking about the social, political implications of the art that they make outdoors, outside, uh, in public, uh, here in Uptown. And I think the artist panel is going to, going to be October 19th, mm -hmm. probably a Thursday evening. Yeah. Great. Well, for those of you who are not keeping track at home with your uh, calendar board, uh, you can go to the website, and it'll be soon. all on there very soon, yes. uh, which is? It's hispanicsociety.org. There you go. So. Uh, and I will say that we are, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, sometimes find it uh, just easier to follow us on Instagram and wait for the updates about programs. And you can actually see our page on the Bloomberg Connects app. And there you can actually listen to audio guides and uh, read content uh, about uh, our collection. Awesome. And there's a lot to collect from the collection. Uh, <laughs> and I will also, if I can add, I'm not taking yeah. up all of the time here, but that uh, weekend of the 20th, 21st, and 22nd, uh, we actually will uh, be participating in Open House New York, so for Open House Weekend, and so we would be, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're in the middle of planning what the extended hours and additional tours will be for that weekend. Awesome. A lot of things happening. A lot of things happening, and I would just say again, those are our public programs, which are amazing. The most important thing that you, know, you really have to know about the Hispanic Society is that the founding mandate is that it is free. 
It's for everybody. It's for everybody. You don't have to be Hispanic to go. You don't have to be Hispanic, and admission is free. So, uh, you know, these are these are not the you know I think uh, you know you probably caught the piece in the Times a few weeks ago about the the quickly rising costs of tickets to enter into museums and cultural uh, offerings in New York City in a way that you know a lot of folks who uh, are uh, starting out careers or have a large family you know it becomes prohibitive mm -hmm. to participate uh, but we you know we fight really hard to keep that commitment uh, to the community that when we have something that's open to the public it is free of which kind of, you know, what you're discussing, right? A, uh, an affordable night out kind of brings us back to just to reemphasize our partnership with Inwood Artworks. Uh, the, the film series, two of them are family oriented uh, Coco and Ferdinand. I don't know if yes, you had that. Both in Spanish. Um, both in Spanish with English subtitles. Exactly. And then also to add, um, there are. Ferdinand begins us off like September seventh, September and okay. then we take a, a week off for your opening and all that. Mm -hmm. And then we September twenty first, we bring in um, uh, Women the Virgin Nervous Breakdown, and then we bring in uh, the close out with Coco in Spanish. Uh, yes, they're all in Spanish, so English subtitles, and also people should know starting at six o'clock, free live music uh, and dance on the plaza yeah. on the court in the courtyard there, yeah. um, from all around the the, the, the diaspora actually so look forward to, and you can go to Inward Artworks website too we'll have those events up and of course they'll be they'll be pushing it out too and uh, once again 100% free and bring a snack they have a chair for you Absolutely. Um, come come enjoy and uh, we're happy thank you for inviting us to be a part of, no, of the celebration about it. and we're looking forward to collaboration and more you know we'll, we'll, we'll keep exploring the Spanish diaspora and cinema as we go along maybe next summer or spring or summer we can do a you know an arts lovers version and we can try to you and i can sit down and I play, mean, play a little hopscotch with some brunel and some yeah. uh, you know some as, other people in there we as can, far as getting into auteur cinema yeah. mujeres al borde de un ataque de nervios uh, almodovar is a really great start it, it is, is absolutely it's a good taste of it. for, it'd be the first out of our out give anybody to watch oh yeah, yeah. absolutely i agree yeah. i agree Very i good. mean and it, it resonates on a lot of levels so and it's fun it's so yeah. funny. And you can see um, Antonio so Banderas funny. in his first role, which is kind of fun too, right? Very we, we, early role, yeah. We, we are being clear on the, on the flyers, right? Uh, appropriate <laughs> for children, not appropriate for children, and yes. then appropriate for children. So. <laughs> not recommended. Not recommended, but guess what? If they're, and if they're New York City children, the idea is they probably see worse in the subway, but we're not going to go there. We're not endorsing <laughs> anything else like that. But yes. it is, yes, it, I would say appropriate for would say young adults, I would say, yes. for, for the Abavar. Uh, still, nothing crazy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. But, I, but I do think that there's a potential once, you know, we, we, you know we, we have people getting used to, hey, you know, outdoor films on this beautiful terrace is a thing, and this is just yeah. going to be part of what we do, uh, that yes, we, you know, we can offer things that are across many genres oh. and, and, and from all over that Hispanic from, from that Spanish-speaking and Portuguese-speaking world yeah. that, you know, informs that collection. And there's a lot to choose from, just like your wonderful collection. Yeah. Well, thank you again for exactly. taking the time and being a guest here on Inwood Artworks Honor. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye? Anything else? I'll say you covered a good, good gamut of 
what's coming up? Is there anything else you'd like people to know? I would just say that just as a kind of a advisory, what we have planned in the coming years is very much a, a rotating selection. So what I would say to people who want to engage with the Hispanic Society is you have to kind of work to stay attuned because we're going on a trimester basis now, bringing uh, different objects through the collection, some contemporary, some from our permanent collection. So really what we have to, to see and to, to interact with is going to be changing about every four or five months. So you have to, you know, follow us on, on socials. And, and or become a member. Get excited about that. How about that, huh? Become a member. Yeah. Uh, holler at us, education at hispanicsociety.org. They're very approachable people. We, we really are. Look, they're how nice they are. We'll answer your email. Where nothing is not reachable, uh, and we're happy to answer questions. But yes, the new model for the exhibitions means uh, no one will be able to say I've already been there. Uh, I already have already seen it, and uh, you know I think it'll be exciting to every few months uh, come in and see what's new. What's That's exciting. There. Thanks for thanks for wetting their appetites. Yeah, exactly. I, I would say too, just you know, on behalf of the education department, that we are you know very open to all types of collaboration. So we work with K through 12. We work with teaching artists. We uh, you know we're we're open to all types of community collaborations. So you know that. You know, education at hispanicsociety.org, you know, just please reach out. We're always fielding kind of. Sure. Uh, and do you offer internships being academic? We do host we internships, do. you know, our, our uh, you know, kind of a, our semi-closed state over the last few years has meant that that's not really as formalized as right. it is. It's hard. Uh, so it is a little bit more difficult. Some folks have, you know, come in and they, uh, they, uh, they're part of internship programs with other academic programs that are they're just looking for a placement site But it is our hope that we will have folks uh, so uh, definitely reach out if you think you uh, You know you want to join the team and be helpful and we'll we'll see what uh, what will happen uh, we have been uh, the host for a few years to curatorial fellows on the at the doctoral level and uh, creative practice uh, research artists uh, for whom we've been uh, a, you know, a placement site. So it's been, it, it depends on what cycle we are in with mm -hmm. our funding and what, what, uh, what grants we are uh, giving out. Uh, but again, just stay in touch and we will let Great. you know what's happening. Awesome. Thank you both, Natalie you. and Ryan. Thanks for, for having time Thanks, to see you today. Thanks, so much. You betcha. Pleasure. So once again, this is In What Artworks On Air, called a cultural spotlight edition uh, of our on-air podcast. And again, we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in northern Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. It really does help. Uh, many thanks here to Holy Trinity for hosting us and to HeightSites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate or via Venmo at inwoodartworks. Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up all we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. And Inwood Arts programming is made possible by the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of the Office of the Governor 
and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.